long time friend. Now recording. Long time friend of the show, Craig. Now recording. Thank you, Craig. Okay. Welcome to the Yang Gang Round Table. This is our 180th episode. I uh, went through and corrected some some numbering errors. <laughs> so this is our 180th episode, I realize now. So that's great. And we have someone who has been here from the very beginning, or was here at the very beginning, and um, the show has changed a ton, and so it's great to see you back again, Kiko Sono. Thank you for coming on. How have you been? Thank you. Thank you for having me back. This is kind of amazing. It's, I'm, I'm getting a little moved here, you know, because it yeah. was exactly like a year ago Thank that you, you guys... Oh, we started it. Yeah, um, it was very different. I, uh, yeah, I, I got out, you know, only just like a month in, but it was great, you know, yeah. when you guys were starting out. And kudos to all of you, you know, Faye, Shell, and now, you know, Kai and everybody else for really keeping this going for a long time. I know it's not Thank easy. You. Thank you. Yeah. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's Yeah. It's true. <laughs> Sometimes it's not <laughs> it easy. It makes your life easy. Yeah. It's been great. Though. When you're here, it feels very easy. <laughs> you did make it easy at the beginning. Yeah, got us on Anchor, which you know got us on Spotify and other That's platforms. Right, yeah. and now we yeah, we have yeah, this yeah. wonderful archive of uh, the most complete archive is on Spotify and Anchor of all mm-hmm. of our episodes. Um, you know, some episodes uh-huh. didn't survive like uh, like a tw- like like Twitch ate them or YouTube ate them or you know some sort of some sort of archiving error exists where the only com- complete catalog is on Spotify. Cause some episodes were, were never video to begin with the very earliest ones. And Spotify is also the, the most time efficient way to consume the episodes because uh, all the silence is compressed and taken out. They just take about 15, 20% less time to, to listen to maybe, maybe less, maybe 10 to 15% less time, but still that's significant when they're like, well, two let's, introduce, uh, let's introduce yeah. Keiko and who she is now. Because um, you know her her connection to our yes of podcast course is cool I've been blathering on only Please, because Keiko, Keiko is an amazing yes. person uh, uh, on, in her own Please. right. Yes, Please. Kate, Please. Keiko, the most recent thing that I know about that you've been doing is the UBI. Um, uh, you've been connected to a UBI pilot type of thing that's happening in the Hudson. What is it called? The Hudson Valley. Yeah, is that mm-hmm. in New York? New York uh, State? Yeah, it's an area. This is specifically mid-Hudson area. So Hudson River runs uh, north-south from way above um, Albany down to you know, Manhattan. And we're like midway through there. And it's, it has town cities like Kingston, Hudson, Saudis, New Paltz. It's a pretty wide area. New Paltz, mm-hmm. huh? That just came up in a Twitter thing earlier today. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so um, okay. you have so uh, so you have a connection to this space because do you live there? Okay. Oh, you mean the Hudson Valley? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, do you live yeah. in the Hudson Valley? Okay. Yeah. We both yeah, do actually. I here. That's oh, right. You I live, live there, there too? Yeah. Yes, I do. Not in the mid Hudson oh. Valley though, in the southern. Yeah, but it's still Hudson Valley. It is. We're neighbors. Oh, yeah. It's so so. It's actually many, great to have you on the show. So, how many counties or whatever does that area cover? Well, it's got. Ulster, Duchess, I guess that's also part of Hudson Valley, and probably Columbia, Capital Region, um, Orange, right? And yeah. you're in Rockland? Yes, Rockland. Yeah. Rockland. Yeah. Uh, wait, no, Rockland yeah. is its own county. Rockland. Well, no, wait, Rockland is in, yes, of course. I mean, I'm yeah, not talking about counties. Rockland Hudson is in the Hudson yeah. Valley, I think. Yes. Yeah. I am not great at local geography, though. Yeah. 
<laughs> so yeah, it covers a pretty wide area. Yeah. A lot of different okay. cultures. Yeah. So, and so all, yeah, how, yeah. how did you get involved in this? How well, did you? I'm actually yeah. not. So this is the interesting thing. So there are two pilots going on, one in Ulster County and one in the city of Hudson. Uh, the one in Hudson started last October and Ulster County, I think they're just going to start distributing the payments, you know, you, the basic income next month. So when I first heard about the um, Ulster County pilot about two months ago, I was just ecstatic because, you know, I've been pushing UBI in this area for a long time. And it, it's been really my dream to connect the local, my local community with my Twitter community of UBI and Yang Yang, because there was quite a big gap between those two worlds in my life. And, you know, it was kind of hard because Yang and UBI advocates on Twitter, you know, we are all so excited. And on Twitter, it really looks like, well, of course, everybody should support UBI. And, you know, you feel really hopeful about, you know, the state of UBI. But then you get on the ground level and, uh, you know, you start talking to people and it's like, hmm, you know, it's it's not really on any that many people's radar. And, of course, it's You don't even know what those letters stand for no, when you no. talk to people. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, of course, Andrew Yang changed it a little bit, even, but even during his presidential campaign, it was so hard for me to, you know, like really get anyone to really seriously think about it. You know, most people said, well, that's just a fantasy. Why, why waste energy talking about fantasies? That's not going to happen. You know, that's just one of the common answers that I got. Um, but, you know, also County changed all of that, you know, I mean, the, the pilot changed all of that. It, all of a sudden, people were talking about it, and I got contacted by two local reporters for pretty long stories. And um, you know, I thought this is a, this would be a really great opportunity to do community engagement, so that you can seize this you know momentum to really spread accurate information and really engage people. So I contacted the county executive's office, and I have a lot of local connections with local politicians because they're, you know, they're, like a lot of them are my friends. And my, those friends know that I've been doing this kind of community engagement work from my previous um, work as a public artist, public uh, community artist. So it was kind of a natural fit. And the executive loved the idea. And, you know, we were in the same meeting and he was like, yeah, I really want to, you know, get a lot of people involved. But even you know, UBI pilots is no joke. It's a really huge operation. And it's, you know, now we have more than 40 municipalities committed to this, but the actual research is done by uh, just a few labs, you know, and Ulster County one is being conducted by University of, of Pennsylvania um, basic income lab, which also did Stockton uh, pilot. So, these people, the research lab really doesn't want anybody touching these pilots. I asked, you know, I emailed the director, you know, Amy Castor Baker. We were introduced by a you know mutual friend, so I didn't like, you know, cold send email, you know, I didn't send a cold email. Um, and I said, I, I really don't want to come in between your pilots and, you know, um, the people that you know this is such a great opportunity so is there any way that we can come up with, with a way that we can incorporate 
public, you know, community engagement with this file. I don't have to come in contact with the recipients. You know, I, I'll respect the privacy, but is there any way that, you know, we can even like think about this? But um, I didn't hear back from her directly. And the executive's office told me indirectly that they really didn't want that to happen. So, okay, I understand that, you know, that's fine. So under but, what uh, capacity did you did you want to contact them or learn about all of this? Like, yeah. Well, you know, of course, you know, originally I did want to interview some of the recipients in Ulster County because I really do consider this place as really like my community because I've been doing a lot of projects here. You know, I, I did a story archive. I did oral history of um, residents of the New York City watershed, which is like, you know, up here, two hours north of the city. You know, like a lot of people in New York City don't know that the water, their whole, you know, water comes all the way from up here, you know. I mean, those are the stories that, you know, I think are worth spreading. So yeah, I wanted to incorporate water. those yeah. kind of stories into this big tent of UBI. I just thought that it was a really good unifying you know, platform to just, you know, approach people of all different political spectrum. You know, we have a lot of conservatives, we have a lot of Republicans. You know, I would just reach out to them and say, hey, you know, you heard about this pilot going on, right? You know, what do you think? And then I would say, well, how do you think your group, like if I were talking to like sportsmen's club, you know, those sportsmen's club people up here, they, they have a very tight community mind you know they, they do everything for their own community members and they take care of their land you know like it's it's you know they they understand community you know so i would say hey how do you think ubi would impact your members how do you think if we all receive this kind of money what can you do as the club as a community member you know so i think it's a really great opportunity to engage people of all different opinions on this kind of positive framework, right? So stop thinking about UBI as this individual thing. You know, like think think about what it can do for your own community. Anyway, so that was the you know um, angle that I approached the executive's office, and I helped with their uh, public information session and with the panel discussion. I think they all went well, but they in the end they told me that they couldn't. So what I asked them is that. I know I knew that they couldn't they wouldn't they couldn't really do anything with their budget you know they, they didn't want the tax they couldn't have the taxpayers money coming into anything like this so I knew that but I said if you can give me some kind of an official title like a relationship or partnership you know this because I have an organization right so it's called Forge Collective so Forge Collective in partnership with the uh, Austin County will design this community engagement program and I would do fundraising on my own. But even then they said that the county legislators they don't want the their office to do to have anything to do any more to do with UBI because the legislators themselves are probably not for UBI because they're pretty I mean a lot you know a lot of them are conservative. So can you anyway. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, Forge Collective? So you say this is the organization from which you reached out to um, to the to these other UBI pilots as a volunteer, sort of, 
right? You became like you presented yourself as yeah. I, I'd like to volunteer and help yeah. uh, promote this, but yeah. uh, you you have an organization of your own that's called Forge Collective. And tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about what that is, because I see sure. that your uh, website is forgeartcollective.org. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because Forge Collective was already taken. So my background is in art. I have a master's degree in painting. But for about 10 years, I've been doing more of like community building art project. Like I, I uh, for example, I got a um, grant from New York City Department of Environmental Protection to do an outreach project in the um, watersheds in up here in um, uh, in the Catskills. This is where the, you know, the water goes to New York City. Um, and the department this department has to deal a lot with the um local residents because you know they do like bank stream repairs and that kind of stuff and they have to work with the landowners so maintaining a delicate relationship is an important thing so um i got a grant two grants to do some you know extensive community outreach so i did um oral history and i created a social uh story archive and i also um, hired three artists to do like kind of an interactive community art kind of project. So my idea was that um, Forge Collective would activate put the potential of, of local artists who whose you know means of um, making any kind of money or having any kind of status is so limited you know like if you're a visual artist if you're like painter you know the only model that is available to you is to create your projects but only sell them through like gallery system that are really really um limited and the price point is like you know fixed it, it is like hitched to like the higher end of this market so you know just you know it doesn't sell to most middle class or low-income people so you know i wanted i wanted artists to be more involved with kind of like community building projects i i really see the potential of creative people to like really not just make art about issues but they wanted me to they, they wanted them to i wanted them to be more proactive in actual projects that would really make a difference like you know, I, I see a lot more potentials in artists really taking more lead in like political campaigns. You know, I mean, you saw in, uh, among Yang Gang. You know, we have a lot of creators, and a lot of people just did things on their own, like you know, you did with put, this podcast. Who put that rap track out recently? Thank you uh, for 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 saying that about me. Um, but who put that rap track? Rap? Who is that? Uh, Are you talking about MC Jin? Probably. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Right. Yeah. The one about Yang Gang? Well, no, Yang I mean, Gang, Yang Gang. Well, I mean, that was the Yang Gang 2020 one, but that was a more recent one, too. Yeah, is it MC Jin? Yeah, I think MC it's Jen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one's amazing. Yeah, Yeah. Ariel's here. Hi, Ariel. Hi, you guys. Hi. I got hey, some man. great yeah. news. I, I passed my oh. part 107 exam two days ago. Congrats. So oh, I yeah. Can, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can As a drone operator. Correct? Yeah, so I can find a flight for money. You know, there is going to be a big <gasps> market for that. You're going to be able to deliver packages yeah. with that for one, and all <laughs> kinds of other stuff. 
Well, that's, yeah. that's not until years from now, but, uh, but like, I don't like, like, there's going to be a law in 2023, which says that every ro- drone needs like an, a remote ID. So like, they can see everything, like how high you're flying, how fast you're flying, how, how far you are, where you've launched from and stuff like that. But, uh, I don't know. They, I guess they they did it for planes and helicopters. So now they're doing that, but until 2023, uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, that's super exciting. Um, we are uh, talking with Keiko, who is an artist herself, and I'll bet she could Very think nice. of a lot of really, really interesting things uh, that a drone would be able to do for yeah. for her. Collaborative yeah, project. yeah, it, it's fine. It, it relates to UBI because, like, first you need like drones are very expensive and. If it wasn't for my unemployment money, I I probably wouldn't be able to afford it. And not only that, but like the the, the ground school and the tests that you have to take, I mean, those also cost money. So it's like you're you're not getting this money because you want to sit down and like eat Cheetos and watch reruns of Jerry Springer. You want to invest in yourself. But those barriers to entry is like the cash. So, yeah. (laughs) Well, good thing one hurdle leaked. Uh, yeah. So the person that invited Keiko here today was actually Kai. So Kai, do you want to kind of take oh, over nice. uh, sort of the, the chat and continue with uh, what's happening? Yeah. No, I don't. Really? <laughs> You're like, <laughs> I'm happy to just let, let it go. I, I, I mean, well, so Keiko and I are mm-hmm. uh, connected through a, a, women, a women's for Yang kind of a, just it's just a chat group. Um, and people have come and gone from it, and it's it's just our space to support each other. And when, uh, like we, we are all going through stuff. The pandemic has been a life changing event for almost everybody. Like almost everybody's lives have changed significantly as a result. And you know, even even before that, this was a space that was very supportive about all of us being who we are versus kind of this judgmental idea of what a woman's supposed to be. So there's lots of us in that group that stay home and take care of our kids. That's what we do. That is our job. That is our work. Work, right? Why do we need to put that in quotes? Because it's, it's work. Faye does it. I do it when my kids are with me. You know, some of others of us here in this group, in the podcast group, have caregiving with children and sometimes our parents, sometimes our spouses. So, you know, this is one of the reasons I got brought in to UBI as a concept many, many years ago, because my background, I have a master's in social work. So, you know, one of the first things you talk about macro social work is, hey, Universal benefits are the most cost-effective, they're the most fair, they reach everybody because that's what universal means, and these are, this is what we need to think about when we start talking about welfare. We need to think in terms of what programs do we have that are super effective, have low administrative costs, and reach the most number of needy people, right? And it's yeah. always the universal ones. And in the United States, there are two, two simple ones, Medicare, Social Security. Those are universal benefits for anybody who lives in the United States who's able to obtain a Social Security number. You pay into those systems 
those are and your payments that come out of your paycheck aren't like set aside in a savings account for you later those are your premiums that pay for everybody else that's on it right now today right and there's a, a protected fund for both of those that cannot go bankrupt like ideally I I don't I don't know I haven't followed I don't know if that's changed I still think it's the case that those are still protected funds to ensure that even if we experience a period like this where people aren't getting those funds taken out of their paychecks to fund the current program, that people who are in the current program can be provided for. They must fund themselves. And that's why those funds are protected. So, you know, th those that's what I learned. That was 2001, you know, that I'm having that discussion of the best programs, the best welfare programs are universal. They reach everybody, whether you need it or not. And this is the nice thing, you know, and we've learned, found this out in the pandemic. Many charitable organizations, many non-for-profits um, have, have discovered that the screening tools that we use, if people are pulling through the food pantry, it's a waste of our time. If they are showing up, they need the food. Mm -hmm. don't, don't ask. Ask how much they want. Ask how many people they're trying to provide for. How many households are they trying to get food to? Because you may not be able to do the qualifying paperwork if the person who needs the food is actually somebody who's housebound and has one or two people that they can even call to say, I need food. Can you go get me food? I don't care if it's free food, but I need it. I'm desperate. I'm hungry. I can't get out. And I know that because I lived that experience during the pandemic after I got injured that I, I, couldn't, I couldn't go to the grocery store. I couldn't walk. I didn't have a car. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't have a system set up for me to be disabled in that capacity. It takes months for those systems, for the systems to work. But if it were just universal, if I could just call the bus company and say, oh, I've had a change in circumstance. Now I need, you, I, now I need curbside. I'm in a wheelchair, Right. And then the bus company would just make that change. Right. And if you abuse the system, then you get then you get a ding excluding you from certain services because you've been found to abuse them. That's far more effective. You need fewer numbers of people to follow on those kind of like fraud reports, right? And actually, it frees people up to do fraud investigations. Fraud's a huge issue. But it becomes less of an issue... If you're doing universal systems, because where's the fraud if it's universal? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's just that, uh, like, universal is the most fair, so nobody gets excluded. Well, yeah. but, you know, and the, the conservative talking point, you know this, Ariel, because you've come from similar background, a more conservative background like I have. The talking point is, why should I pay for somebody who's doing <laughs> nothing? Why should I pay for somebody to sit at home and eat Cheetos and watch TV? Well, there are and good reasons. I mean, we got enough Cheetos. We got enough TV. Somebody's got to watch it. Somebody's got to eat them. The ad buyers at Jerry Springer, thank you for your attention. And Absolutely. the Frito Lays, thank I mean, that, you for your patronage. What's the problem? That, the market goes. That, uh, it is what like, you and I understand, but that actually does provide yeah. for the, the economy. That's part of our economy. Yeah. But it's also... 
it's like, but people who are going to abuse the system are going to figure out a way to abuse the system no matter what system you set up. Do you yeah. want the right people or the wrong people abusing the system? Right. Because poor people abusing the system basically costs you nothing. And what it does do is it keeps them out of the prison. But what does it even mean? And then what? that starts getting into dicey political stuff. What, what, because then what, you have to... What constitutes abuse even, right? Like, who doesn't deserve the right to live? That's nonsense. There's no way to abuse a system that only affords you the right to live, I think. Well, and right. <laughs> you know, I, I think I think for most privilege people, to abuse, it's like the floor of society. Well, I think the problem becomes is that that accusation that poor yeah. people are abusing the system or that people, maybe not even poor people, maybe wealthy people are abusing the system, yeah. overlooks the fact that the people who are making that accusation are the people most guilty of abusing the system. They're the people who who have the most to lose for people gaining true freedom. Complete Those are the people making the... the so the finger that's pointing at us, hey, you poor people, you're trying to rip us off, right? With whatever. Student loan... You go down the list. Is it student loans? Is it medic medical care is it a basic income is it food is it housing is it clean water like go down the list because those are all things that we must have to live and right without well, student loans but yeah education <laughs> learning right yeah we should yeah. maybe just pay for public education instead of yeah. making everything into a loan um, well and right well and we need it Giant institutions to be the only or best way to educate yeah. ourselves. I don't know. I think perhaps the answer becomes doing what we're doing now. What Keiko's doing and her community is is participating in the community. We we what community? It's, it's like saying, okay, you know yeah. what? The government's so ineffective. We're going to find ways to survive without depending on an on an an institution and a building. And instead, we're investing first in ourselves and saying, mm. I, actually, I'm going to reclaim this world entitle, word entitlement and say, I'm entitled because I'm an entity, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. I live. You're a human being. You're a human so being I, in our society. Right. Like, that's, but that's like the root of the word entitlement does come from you have an entity yeah. that needs something. It's, it, it's connected. And it's, it's amazingly stupid to me how like you like how much time is invested in you when you're young through like education and school lunches and all of this stuff. And it's like you morons are just willing to let that investment go to waste. Yeah. Like, you, you, you know, it's ridiculous. Like nobody says like, oh, he's five years old or seven. They should be like working. You, you have to you have to invest in people first and then you get the returns later. You don't like if if people have nothing, they have not they they have nothing to like contribute to. But everyone deserves some kind of starting momentum to start their lives. So when you deny people that, it's like why the why the fuck would you do that, idiot? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and I mean, it goes. I mean, you study U.S. history, you figure out really quick that a lot a lot of it. Most of it, almost all of it, is about property and who gets control of the property. And so ultimately, like what we've seen happen since World War II is that they've taken the commons away. And they've turned it and into a parking where, lot. And, and this is where I see what, <laughs> the work that Keiko is doing as being the, the response to that. Yeah. 
I, I think you brought up a lot of really important points, and especially about the commons. I do think that there are slightly separate issues, so I think we need to look at them as kind of a separate thing. Like UBI on its own really does not touch upon the inequity of wealth, property. It it creates income an income floor, but that's that would not really change the wealth. So. Right. Unless we really tackle that part too, because it's the wealth that creates more wealth, we can have people have at least basic income so that you will not starve, but that on its own will not change the system itself. So that's the challenge. I think what you're addressing right here definitely could be helped by implementation of UBI, but that, that bigger systematic transformation will not automatically automatically happen because of UBI. I think it, we need some kind of a stewardship. And I think what you're doing here, you know, talking in a group like this is part of the stewardship, I think, right? I, and I would love to see more of that. And that that's why, yes, you're right, Kai, that's why I'm, you know, talking about community and community engagement, because, you know, we can just focus on, I don't know, like legislations, or we can just focus on people who already support UBI. But unless we reach across that boundary into the group of people who might not oppose UP UBI, but like UBI is not really on their first, the top of their list, there's a huge number of people. And those are the people who are politically engaged. And, you know, a lot of people like in, in Hudson Valley, you know, it's a pretty progressive area in cities. You know, once, once you go into the rural set area, it's all conservative. But even like the liberals and progressives, it, most people don't really see UBI as the top issue. You know, they, they think they have Medicare for all, education, you know, civil rights, all, you know, police, all kinds of things. And, you know, UBI is just really not on top of the list among those who really can make a difference on the community level. That's where I'm, I'm like really trying to. Uh, well, and I think that part of the challenge is trying to help people understand that that a UBI is is one of the one of the best solutions yes. to help to help address all of those things yeah. because poverty fuels every single one of those issues. Right. And if you don't have people starting out at zero, if you have right. people starting out with some kind of a floor yeah that's and, only and, gonna create good and and here's the funny thing like um i was just listening our friend Nolan Yevas put a thing about glenn beck i don't know if you all know who he is he was mm -hmm. like complaining about people who who are these these jobs can't afford to pay people uh these these jobs are aren't getting people because unemployment is paying them more but then he mm -hmm. says, all of this is leading to a UBI, UBI. Well, dummy, wouldn't you want a UBI? A UBI means that the, the, they'll get more in addition to the money they make. Unemployment says if you try to improve yourself and if you try to get a job and that job pays you less, then we're not going to give you this money anymore. So, well, no shit, people are going to do what's in their best interest. Whereas a UBI, as opposed to unemployment, means we'll give you this money no matter what. And that's it. And that's it. And if you work, you're just going to make more on top of that. So why would you be complaining about unemployment benefits? I mean, why would you be complaining about UBI when it's far when when it's superior to these unemployment benefits? Like, 
Unbelievable. And the unemployment system is broken. Like, we've yeah. got effectively 53 different unemployment systems in this nation because right. every state runs it differently. Yeah. They're not and interconnected. The and for people in situations like the one that I'm in, where I ended up moving 700 miles across two state lines, uh, ooh, my Missouri unemployment is over. But I'm still trying to fight a battle for unemployment with Missouri that dates back to when I was living there. They don't want to even answer my calls. We don't live here anymore. Well, well they no, I call it about $12,000. <laughs> right, yeah. A bureaucrat pushed the button and said, we're moving this her file from here, from the open s section to the closed section. And so every time they want to talk about it, they're like, well, we, first we have to go locate it way over there, probably. So it's it, just, you know, it's, it's the it's kind of bureaucracy that nobody how really much understands. Power these bureaucrats have it's absolutely gross like if you're if you're a small government conservative you should be disgusted at the power of bureaucrats yeah well well but then you know if you have a good bureaucrat they could they could yeah. do a lot they could yeah, do good in the world but they don't yeah, have a lot sure. of power uh because they can't affect the politics so it's it's separated even if you have a good person in that in that seat uh, they can't do everything because then they, they can't make the decisions that, you know, created their position. Um, and I think this is where the community organizing, like what Keiko's doing, right, becomes that essential. So as a community organizer um, who is uh, participating in this Women's for, for Yang group, um, is that the same as the Women for Yang on Facebook? Is, no. that, is that how you guys no, met? No. Okay, so this is a whole different group. There's a lot of little women's groups that have popped up. I've been on the, the Facebook group before. And um, I remember there was also a sorority for Yang. Did you guys yeah. ever participate in that? Okay. No, no, that, was, that wasn't our group either. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so there's been all these different little uh, Yang gang groups that pop up. Um, and uh, sounds sounds really interesting that you were able to connect through them. Now, um, so you took your, your background in art and in community organizing, and you said, I'm going to move it towards, uh, you know, getting this, poly like, getting people to understand more about the UBI. So um, you, what I know is that you hosted a, that informational session for all of us to hear more about uh, what has been happening with the UBI pilot. Do you want to tell us about some of the things that came out of that session? Sure. So I organized a panel discussion um, with guests, um, four guests, I mean, five guests, sorry. Uh, one was the Ulster County exe uh, Executive, Pat Ryan, um, Hudson Mayor Kamal Johnson, and um, Hudson, a spark of Hudson co-founder. So this is the foundation that um, um, funded the uh, Hudson Pilot. Uh, so the co-founder Susan Danziger and Hudson Pilot's director Joan Hunt. Uh, those were the four guests. So we had kind of an informational um, Zoom event. We started with a video of showing what the UBI is, and I got a lot of uh, positive feedback <laughs> on that video. You know, for us, you know, UBI because those are the, you know those were all well-known facts. But for a lot of people, that was the first time they really got like a whole kind of comprehensive view of what UBI was. So it was, a, I, apparently it was a good idea to start with that video. 
and then I introduced the panels and they talked about their, those two pilots. And the significant thing is, is of course, you know, even though Hudson Valley is a pretty large area, still to have two pilots going on in one area is pretty um, remarkable. Yeah. And Ulster County being a pretty rural and, um, uh, you know, it's really not a densely uh, populated area. And Hudson is a pretty small town too. So it's, you know, both places are pretty unusual um, among other UBI pilots. And then I shared my idea for community engagement. And then we opened up the discussion and we talked about, um, you know, imagining our community and our world with UBI. That was a pretty nice uh, little section there too, especially like the, um, the executive Pat Ryan, he said something like, you know, I mean, he, he's kind of on the same, in the same camp as we are. He sees UBI as a bigger, um, you know, has a potential not just beyond po poverty alleviation and activating abundance. Um, so, you know, that was nice. And then we had a pretty long Q&A. And Faye, thank you so much for fielding the questions. You, you were typing oh. <laughs> in the um, Q&A. That was great. And we say it all oh, the well, time. Yeah. Yeah. I showed up late. I didn't know necessarily everything that had happened, uh, but I did see that there were a lot of questions that were very sort of, you know, general questions. If they weren't pertaining specifically to the to the project itself, it was just a general question about UBI, then I felt that I, I felt confident I could at least, um, you know, s send the right articles or something that would support those the information for that. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell us specifically about the pilot itself? Um, how sure. did it get started? It sounded like... Humanity Forward may have had, um, you know, some some uh, contribution to it. Yeah. So Hudson Pilot, um, it, that was in, done in partnership with Humanity Forward in um, Spark of of Hudson. I think just those two organizations. And this is a pretty small uh, pilot uh, with twenty five people. But the interesting thing is, it, it, the duration is five years. So twenty five oh, wow. people. And those are 25 individuals, not households, receiving $500 a month for five years. Um, and Hudson is an interesting town. It, when I first moved here, Hudson was like really, really down and out. It's a beautiful little city, city on right on the side of Hudson. And the whole um, streets run towards the water. And there's big kind of industrial, you know, old factory sites on, along the water. Um, but since for the last 20 years or so, it got really gentrified. So a lot of wealthy people moved up from the city. And but, you know, Hudson also has a really large uh, population in poverty. So that gap really widened over the last decade or so. So, you know, it's a good place for pilot for many different reasons. And Ulster County, it's one of the few pilots that are done on a county base, even though, of course, county government really has nothing to do with it. The, the way it happened was that um, at the beginning of the pandemic, the county set up a, like a donation fund to, uh, you know, as a relief for pandemic. So they got a lot of philanthropic money last year. I think they used like United Way or something to raise that money. And they used it to for good use, you know, like they did a lot of meal deliveries and stuff. And this year, um, they still had a lot of leftovers. So the executive and his assistant thought about how to use that money. And they came up with this idea of um, 
pilot. So all of that, their money, all the all, in that fund went to people, and they used up all the money, right? And there was no way that they could have used any of the county budget for this purpose. Um, but they still needed money to give to the research lab to do the pilots. So that money came from the community foundation. It's, it's all like a private money. And I'm sure that this is the case. I mean, I, I, you know, maybe I really shouldn't say because I'm not completely sure, but um, chances are the money that goes to the, uh, the, the lab is probably far exceeds the money that will go to the people because that's the way things always work. You know, those researches are very expensive. Um, anyway, so that's how this is happening. So they're giving 100 people $500 a month for one year. And they're just starting out next month. Oh, and for 100 spots, they got more than 4,000 applicants. So here's another thing about those pilots. You know, it's so clear that there is a huge need. I mean, otherwise, why would we get 4,000 applicants for 100 positions, right? So I got a lot of people contacted me, said, hey, what's going on? Did I get it? You know, and I just had to say, Oh, I'm sorry, you know, like four, more than 4,000 yeah. people. You know, so it sort of leaves people who didn't get it with a little disappointment and a little bitter feelings. And for them, it's no more than a lottery that, that they didn't win. Yeah. That was another thing I wanted to address through this community engagement program. You know, you don't want any negative feelings, you know, happening because of these pilots, right? So you want to engage them. Well, that is, um, I'm, I'm having a little trouble hearing Keiko for a minute. So, okay. I just wanted to fill in this, uh, this moment. Yeah. A little bit with, um, the fact that, uh, the pilots that we hear about are generally not universal. And so it can't be called fully a universal basic income. You could maybe call it a lottery basic income, but in this case, was it really a lottery? Did they also have some means testing? involved like you know then in that case we would call it maybe a qualified basic income which is a, a term that i think a is QBI. very very appropriate yeah that yeah that that uh shale was saying this these would be called yeah. qualified basic incomes QBS. uh so was there sort of a you know like you have to be below a certain income or some sort of requirement yeah yes uh in ulster county i think the upper limit was forty six thousand dollars and in hudson probably lower I am pretty positive that a majority of these pilots have income cap. Right. And, uh, and so when, when we do these pilots and they call them universal, uh, you know, yeah, we're trying to test something, but it's something that can't be tested unless you do every single person. And so uh, the closest that you can get to it, I think, would be a, a total lottery where even people who were very wealthy could be a part of it and that it's not required for you to show up and, and, and say that you want it even, that, you, you know, that you, random people would be selected in a, in a geographic location. But um, n nobody has really done that. <laughs> so, yeah. No, interestingly... I got those questions, you know, when we had that public informational session, you know, people raised questions like, well, why are you calling this UBI? It's neither universal or basic income. Um, so, right, because $500 would not be a sufficient amount no. to cover all of your basics. 
but it yeah. is a supplemental income. So there's another word that is not quite. Right. So maybe mm-hmm. qualified supplemental income would be more accurate. QSI, right? QSI. Wow, mm. it's getting yeah. a little a little <laughs> bit different. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing about this is that because most of these pilots are means tested, and we're kind of in a catch twenty two because that's an easy sell to those mayors. You know, when you're saying that, especially during the pandemic. This and and this was also the reasoning for Ulster County as well. Here's the money that we have in this fund. How do we use this? Oh, let's just give this to people. But you know, we, they can't just give it out to everybody. So let's use this, you know, existing channel that's already there. You know, this is a system that we can use. And it's frankly, you know, it 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 makes those mayors look really great. You know, because this is kind of a trendy thing. You know, and I'm glad mm-hmm. that they're doing it. You know, it, it's just helping people and it's still, you know, really, you know, uh, beneficial to the movement. So I'm really thankful that this is happening. But I think it's time to build on top of that. You know, we are already spending so much money on these pilots to get very similar results. You know, it, because the only results that these pilots can measure is on the impact on individuals. They can never measure mac- macro impact well they do they do do that Uh, they have done that in various other pilots that we've looked at for example they they had some trials i think in villages in kenya where they gave you know uh, where they gave out money and they measured how what the impact was on the entire village even though not everybody received it so they saw how the money would float in the community and uh, continue to have positive effects because the money doesn't immediately leave the village. It gets, you know, used many times over and over. Um, so yes. there's a velocity of money that is that just keeps it rotating before it gets sucked up into some giant corporation and leaves the area. Yeah, uh, yeah. I definitely want to see more pilots like that where like a small village, everybody like in a village receives it or like a substantial number of people within a certain community would receive it so that you can measure more, you know, like holistic macro effect. I mean, you can't really find do out if, if Yang gets to become mayor, yeah, maybe, right? Maybe after his uh, first uh, initial term, he could start doing smaller, like, you know, additional programs or maybe even during his first term. After his initial promises are met, he could focus on certain neighborhoods and get some uh, macroeconomic data. I think the most hopeful data that we can get is um, Biden's children's tax card cut. Yeah. It's starting in July. You know, Faye, you, Kai, you know, we're all going to receive $300 a month per child. Yeah. I hope so, because I have never received uh, Zephyr's uh, second stimulus check. I got his first like months after the, the my I got mine. I don't know why because I don't remember like actually going to check on it or anything. It just suddenly appeared like months later. And now the second check is missing for Zephyr. So I just don't know how they do, deal with all of this and I'm it's just so frustrating and uh to deal with the bureaucracy of it. Like I'm afraid, you know, once I open up that trying to contact IRS just feels so daunting. Seriously, mm. like it's almost like if I don't need it, like the right this second, it's going to make it. It's hard for me to really uh, go search it. So hopefully, when it does happen, uh, it will happen for us too. But 
I, I'm constantly in the uncertainty if, if, if it will happen at all. <laughs> if they know that Zephyr is my son and he lives here. It's very weird. Uh, that is frustrating. Yeah. Did you receive the, the $1,400 one, the, the most recent one? I received that and I received it for him as well. So okay. I'm confused. Like his second check is missing though. So I just don't know, like they do well and then sometimes they don't do well. And I don't know why there's no, there's no explanation of why things are happening. Um, I don't even get that letter. Yeah. Some people get a letter that explains, you know, what their stimulus check is. I haven't even gotten that. So, yeah. Yeah. There seems to be inconsistency, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the, you know, what um, determines those differences, but like my daughter who was an adult dependent last year. So she didn't receive the stimulus last year, but this year she got that back for some reason. Oh, because this year she claimed as dependent, I mean, as an independent. So she received payments from last year, even. I don't know how that oh, Filing her taxes, because when you file your taxes this year, that's actually mm -hmm. last year's taxes you're filing. Right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and yeah. she didn't have to do anything, you know, it just came automatically. Well, she had to file her taxes, which is a right, huge, that's a big barrier for some people. That's for true. me, it's a you're big right. barrier. Yeah, 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 you're right. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that people who are good, who are just good, normal people take yeah. for granted um, in our society. And it turns out that it's not that way for many people in our yeah. in our country. So like you might take for granted that you have a bank account. And of course, everybody has a bank account. No, m many people do not. Some people don't have a credit card. Some people don't have the ability to have a phone. Some people don't have their ID like, yeah. <laughs> to the point where, you know, there's things that are that people, good people take for granted that, of course, I have a driver's license. I can prove who I am. And homeless people don't. They simply don't have these things. So yeah. that's a lot of what we talk about on this on this yeah. podcast. No, I, I, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. The way I look at, look at it is, though, that the government has actually exceeded my expectation. I, I didn't expect as much as they did. They have done. Of course, they can do more. But I really expected less from either Trump administration or by especially Biden administration. So... You know, like seeing a lot of my friends and myself also really, really fortunate, you know, fortunately being taken care of and seeing that yet a lot of other people are not, you know, definitely makes me happy in some ways and really aware that we have so much more to do. Um, it's still better than really being completely desperate. <laughs> like a whole lot right. So again, this like this particular pilot is great in that um, it does have researchers attached to it. Exactly. And they're trying to research certain effects. And based on the size of the, the, the pilot, which is not very big, um, they've decided that what they can research is what are the mental effects, the mental health effects of having this money, which is uh, also a wonderful thing to to have information about. Well, even I mean, though it's qualified even though it's supplementary and all of those things go ahead well, i mean e even even if you're like a super conservative work 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 type it it uh it it um it showed that it increased employment in the stockton one yeah so that's the thing because it's not it's not about work it's about fear because yeah. if, if you know that you're searching for another job while you're working for an employer they're going to be all like all up in your business 
and they they hold so much negotiating power that they don't deserve, especially these big corporations. So they're like, if we can just keep you afraid that you're going to lose everything and think we're good, we can keep you where, right where we want you. But if they can't like pull those fear strings of like, oh, if, if you if you try to leave us or if you try to improve your life, then we're gonna like do all these things. Like like then people have more freedom. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, and also this pilot, uh, even though it doesn't have, so what we're piloting over and over is really just the very simple move from traditional philanthropy or traditional welfare into giving people choice, giving people money. Money is a choice. It's freedom to choose mm -hmm. what you're going to do with it. It's not saying you have to spend it on money uh, on a food program. It does. You don't have to spend it on, um, you know, housing or a specific thing. You use it the way you want. You can buy a blanket yeah. if that's what you need. Like, you like can buy a school. Yeah, you can start a business with it. You can do so many things that traditionally we have not allowed people to make choices for themselves. Um, so I'm that's sorry. a good. Yeah, Go but ahead. philanthropy is so condescending. It's so con. This is the responsibility of a of a government of by and for the people to take care of its citizens, not just some rich guy who thinks on a whim. I may help a person. I may not help a person. But 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 here here here's what sickens me the most. Um, all those companies that got government bailouts, and then they're saying like, "Oh, we're being philanthropic." Well, you got a handout from the government, and you're using a small portion of that handout from the government to be philanthropic. Stop being a hypocrite. The language, yeah, the language encodes some of our toxic narratives that just, mm -hmm. you know, it just calls it up, and without mm -hmm. having to, just the, the language that you use, which word you choose, uh, mm -hmm. brings up, you know, a whole set of connotations and, and thoughts and feelings about these people or, or that mm -hmm. particular situation. And right. um, definitely philanthropy has not been... Uh, always beneficial for people. Sometimes the recipient of, of uh, philanthrop philanthropy, you know, feels oppressed by it almost. And so mm -hmm. this has been an, a real issue for states where um, welfare is being used the most. I was always surprised, like, why are they the ones who are most against traditional welfare systems? Well, they've had also the most contact with the welfare system, and therefore they know all the flaws and the problems that, that happen with it. And so... Um, in the in their attempt to you know sort of uh, fix those failures, instead of fixing the failures, they just they just you know want to just throw it away because it's been so difficult to deal with. Um, like some of these things that uh, Kai was saying are guaranteed or whatever, uh, they're not guaranteed that you could receive it in your time of need because of all the applications and the bureaucracy of it and trying to prove that you need it at that moment. Um, it can be really, really daunting. So even for me, and I'm a Berkeley grad, right? I'm, I'm somebody who is, who should be able to do paperwork, you know, <laughs> but somehow I just, like, like I can't like, deal with it. Here's the part that so bothers me. Hard, man. Yeah, 100%. Like you, you're a Berkeley grad. And what do we tell all of our kids? We want them to graduate from places like UCLA and Berkeley, and they'll be safe and secure and all of that stuff. But you, but like then I heard that you're a Berkeley grad, and one time you were on food stamps. Like what? What the? I was I'm like, still what? on food stamps right now. Ariel, you're I'm still on food, on food stamps. stamps. Right 
Right, yeah. right. And you're still, and, and, and that's like, like, but what do, what do they tell their kids? Like, you graduate from university, and, and especially if it's a high prestigious one, you'll make a million dollars more in your lifetime. And yet you, Faye, are on food stamps. So, and it's like, you, and if you, you get could. a master's it's degree. A lie. You could, you could be Andrew Yang. You could mm-hmm. become Andrew Yang and like run for president if you happen to go to the right school, executive right. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, um, but you can also, network. yeah, you can also try to go home to a rural area. And what job would you get as a Berkeley grad in uh, East Texas, in Palestine, Texas? Uh, right, what yeah. what if you decide that you need to take uh, take a break and take care of your children? What if you know all sorts of things can happen in your life that people don't don't think about? And so. Um, you know, yeah, it's possible you'll go, you'll take off and go in that direction. But then the, things happen. You could go off in a different direction, and, and um, it's not. I think a lot of people want to say, well, if you chose to go in that direction, then you get what you get, right? Mm-hmm. But um, is that the life we really wanted for our children? I mean, is this the is this the life that we created? We wanted our children to, you know, have these awful choices. Do we want right. them to work two jobs to be more American so they can afford to have to start up their life? Um, so these, yeah, I think, societal choices um, are what we're looking at, and uh, these pilots are helping us to understand better why philanthropy and why why welfare, you know, has has not been successful in achieving what we would like. We want people to be out of poverty. We don't want more people to fall in. Yeah, and the the disparity is growing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is another thing that I do really want to see um, in pilots or some other kind of. Oh, so here's one thing that um, I was told by um, one of the UBI long time, long, long, long time UBI um, academics is that she said that social changes don't happen because of pilots. They happen because of small implementations. So she she wanted she said that she wanted to see more of like small scale actual implementations rather than like experiments and that was a point that I hadn't really thought about um, until I heard that from her. Um, well, we have those. Yeah, that's we have those. We have those. You know, like we have those in the uh, in the tribes in the uh, yeah, Native American true. tribes. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, in our country. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's why Andrew next. Yang used to say that this was a very American idea that, you know, it was it was beyond even though there had been precedents even before Americans came up with the idea. But it's a very American idea because it was something that you, you observe a lot in Native American tribes. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, um, hopefully this pilot will lead us to a real implement implementation starting in new york uh because we're going to get andrew up there as mayor too and he's going to be wanting <laughs> wanting to implement something <laughs> are you keeping up with the mayoral race since you guys are in new york i mean you're not um, in the city yeah right? yeah and i haven't you know i haven't been down to the city you know since the beginning of the pandemic i got my johnson and johnson two weeks ago so you know i'm i'm okay i might like go down there and maybe do a little canvassing but it seems like they really you know they're they're like on a roll you know and i think they have a lot of people helping so i think you know if andrew yang loses this one i just might believe in election rigging because <laughs> yeah we don't need to i, I mean 
it's like I said, we're no. seeing all of the slander, all the bad faith attacks on his character that I that I said we would, and they come yeah. from the Democratic establishment, you know, the the, right, blue, the blue no matter who crowd, and it's a but he's very very powerful thing. They don't necessarily need 13. to rig the election to 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 wrongfully beat him. So but, we'll see. But he's still he's still thirteen points ahead. I, th- I think it's just falling. I mean, I mean that's why they called him Teflon Don because every attack that they did on him didn't stick. But like, yeah. But with Yang, it's just like he's just so pure that people see like right through this crap. Like no, no one, no one else has has been like I've never seen a politician that's always this happy and like it's like it's like what the hell? What, what does it take to make Andrew Yang ha- uh, like mad other than what happened to his wife? Yeah. I think, and, and that he's mostly sad about. Not even, not even, except that one time where he said, "I really did want to kick that guy's ass," and that was it. Like, like, like th- th- this was a guy who like sexually abused his wife, and and he just said that one thing, and that was it. Like, what, what does it take to get this guy angry? Like, he can't. <laughs> you know, there's not I think a lot like, of anger like, in some people. Yeah, some people don't have a ton of anger. Uh, they don't have. They don't see. I'll see a lot of use for it in their psychological profile, and they sort of move away from it and grow away from it. And other people, you know, they're just raring to go anytime. So, yeah. yeah. That's do you true. do you guys feel invested in this uh, Andrew Yang's campaign? Not not just because we're you know Yang Gang whatever, but um, but uh. that you know his his becoming a mayor of a large city like New York City could um, maybe move again the the you know public perception of universal basic income or do you think it's I, not you know I think whether yes. he wins or not it's doesn't really matter what do you think I think that if he wins it will it will have a positive effect on the universal basic income campaign uh the world over uh yes mm-hmm. but I am not yet emotionally recovered enough to invest in a political campaign uh and also I'm just so so uh, tired of i just i can't invest in in our system you know like i i just have seen the electoral system fail too many times and just not rep just give us an outcome that but, doesn't represent the will of the people but, so but if he does if he does win this like will some of your emotions recover or you just feel sure like- sure probably who knows i don't know i can't <laughs> promise anything but i imagine probably uh yeah but like will he win it i i i can't really feel like he's going to win it just because it seems at this time by all the standard metrics he will because I, f- I feel like i've been being told at every p- political race i've ever uh been a party to for the past 10 15 years uh that, that you, know, you know there's like a few weeks before the 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 election the person who seems like they are the the representation of the will of the populace is going to win by a landslide and then there's the, the, then things change and the institutional candidates win and this happens like every election and we're just okay. at that point in the cycle now where it seems like everything is going as it should be and then we're going to have the fall <laughs> but david, that's america david, like that that's what i felt like i was so invested in david kim's campaign right and right? that's how it is like, you know? yeah yeah but 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 it I, seems I, like I well this think... is the right man for the right job and everything's well, coming well, together think, and how can I he lose and he does it's like, hang on yeah. <laughs> i, I think because of the name id it's it's different this time like that like all all like his name id is huge and because because of his presidential run so that's what separates him from the rest of the pack 
And and it's it's usually done the other way around. You become mayor of New York and then you run for president. But he does uh, running for president, then running for mayor of New York. That's like a big thing, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So that's uh, that. And, and I hope he does. How run about again. you? Know, uh, that's that's great, Ariel. Because um, you know, um, there's a lot of really interesting things that could happen from uh, from Andrew Yang being in New York City because he's somebody who is standing for a change of all kinds of change. So much more than the UBI, there will be a lot of different new policies that he could test out and we'll, we'll be able to see the results of those uh, tests um, yeah. in New York city. But, but it's like, I'm, I'm on the diagonal coast of New York. So that's right? like kind of, yeah. Yeah. Disappointing in LA. But and, you and, know and, that it will affect you even in Los Angeles because right. if he tries out something, you know, in New York city, it can migrate over to other places. Yeah, I, I hope. Now. Yeah, I, I really hope that he has a good uh, relationship with uh, Eric Garcetti in that case. Uh, oh. You know, and uh, and I don't know, or whoever our next mayor of LA is going to be. I don't know, Eric Garcetti. It seems like he's been there forever. The last one was Via Ragosa. He kind of sucked. Oh, I remember him. But- He's, he's been around a long time. Yeah. That's yeah. 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 So, so Gar, so Garcetti, so, so if him and Garcetti, after he becomes mayor are friends, like I'd really like that. Or, or maybe I just, you know, call, hit up Garcetti and say like, Hey, like be friends with Yang or <laughs> something like that. I don't, yeah. That's, so that's how, uh, how do you feel about this, uh, Keiko? Because you're in New York state. So yeah. That even closer. Yeah. So, I predicted that he would win from the very beginning in, in this mayoral race, just because because of the nature of the mayoral race. You know, I was there. I came into the city when Ed Koch was mayor. So that, this is a long time ago. So I've seen him, uh, Dinkins, and Giuliani, and uh, Bloomberg. And uh, Yang just really fits in that, you know, winning portrait. I mean... Name recognition is number one, but and he had it. So, you know, I thought this was, you know, he would be the be the candidate to be. But his campaign actually exceeded my expectation because he, you know, when he was running for president, he was definitely definitely a national candidate. He was a man of big change, big picture, and it was hard for me to imagine him transform from that to. New York City issues because I knew that there would be a lot of small things that are like really opposite of these national issues. And sure enough, he talked about the scaffolding. Now he's talking about placard. These are like really everyday issues that are actually pretty important to New Yorkers. And I'm so pleasantly surprised to see that Andrew made that shift. Now he's like, you know, this uncle next door who's taking care of your neighbors kind of thing, you know? <laughs> That's what you have to do to be a mayoral candidate. Um, yeah, and he's doing a really great job, and I have to give it to his campaign team, too, you know, even though, you know, I know there was a controversy right. there. Uh, and so and not to mention... Did. That that all the time, like when he went on like news shows, they were all like, "What what about running for mayor of New York? Have you thought about running for mayor of New York?" <laughs> like like it used to actually annoy me. I'm like, "No, he's running for president." And then the minute he drops out, we hear about mayor of New York. Yeah, what about mayor right. of New York? And it's like, oh, for God's sake! <laughs> and now and now if they get like 
Like, like, how could you run for mayor of New York? Like, they tell him that he could be like, "Well, I don't know. You guys told me that to do it a thousand Good. times." You know, question. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. Uh, how do you feel, Kai? Um, even though you know you're not in New York, um, but you know, how do you feel? Does it does this still affect you? The Andrew Yang being able to become mayor or not not becoming mayor? I'm excited. I lived in New York for a while. Um, I lived in Westchester County and um, uh, went to an all-women's college that has um, since closed their doors. But, um, you know, it's a whole, it's a whole different animal. Um, New Yorker, New, uh, folks that live in the five boroughs are, are very attached to being who they are as, as being members of, of the five boroughs, of being part of one of the largest cities in the world, one of the, 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 the trendsetters for finance and fashion and news and just all of it, right? And so I, I like this idea that Andrew is going to elevate this message of small changes on the ground trickle up, right? That was one of his big campaign, you know, perspectives, is that we need an, an economy that trickles up. And of all the places in the world to show how that works on a very practical perspective, like New York City is the place to do it. And he's the kind of person, he is obviously the man who can, with the right team behind him, make it be very successful. Yeah, and I, so, I would actually say maybe this job is, could be, it's as big as the presidency honestly, because it's going to be so complex. It's very difficult. And it, and there's so many details, like, um, like Keiko said, the federal government has a certain set of things that they're responsible for. And it's a lot of people. Uh, but New York City is a huge economy. It has its own, right. it has a lot of people in it also. And it's a very complex and very difficult job that a lot of people, you know, will say your, your, your political, you know, sort of, People think that they're going to maybe launch from there into a presidency or something else. But most of the people who become mayor do not, right? They don't, they don't actually <laughs> launch from there anywhere else. The city, you know, needs them so much. All of their energy has to go towards um, taking care of that. So, um, so I think it's a difficult job, but it's one that he really seems to relish. He seems to be really going at it with gusto. I mean, he has the same type of energy that he brought to the national campaign. I see him out there every day, uh, despite, you know, the, the pandemic, despite, you know, challenges to his health recently, very, you know, small challenges, but still. Uh, so I think, uh, and based on the fact that, you know, his family is with him, he doesn't have to travel the country and not have, and be away from his children, be away from Evelyn so much. And I think that they're enjoying their togetherness in doing this together and having you know Evelyn be out there with him sometimes uh, yeah. doing her own things. Uh, I think that's making a big difference for him uh, in his personal life. And also, uh, you know, just uh, he feels, it seems like he feels very supported by um, the fact that we're still here with him. Uh, I wasn't sure about that for a minute. You know, I was like, maybe they don't really want Yang Gang to show up anymore since we're, most of us are not in New York City, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what are New Yorkers going to think when the national Yang Gang shows up and says, hey, you guys need to do this, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to listen to us. They don't care, yeah. you know, what we think. But, um, but uh, you know, I think that 
having a game behind you gives you a sort of power. And so we're, we're really happy to be able to just be there and just say, Hey, you know, we, we remember who you are. We, we know where you came from. We know all the history because Yang Gang's been following you for so long. And uh, we understand you when you say something, it's, you know, when New York city people who are coming to this for the first time, but they haven't thought about, you know, Andrew Yang too hard until, Oh, now he's running for mayor. Right. Um, some of them they have mis they have misgivings because they don't know the things that we know, and so I want to I want to encourage Yangang to be positive and to you know understand that if we don't live in New York City, we are not going to make decisions there, and we can't really affect anything. But we can, in a positive manner, provide information so that New Yorkers can make better choices. And um, you know, our job is to basically. Hi, Carl. Nice to see you. Hey. Um, our uh, guest TV, hey, your Carl. environment, uh, Seattle host, is uh, has joined mm -hmm. us for a minute. Our our good friend. Yeah, Carl. I think yeah, I said thanks. earlier to you two to four, but it didn't occur to me to add East Coast time. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, no, that's uh, I. I just wanted to pop in uh, before the end, and uh, oh, okay, rattle. good, good. I'm glad yeah, there was. That was on me. Yeah, you got some digital distortion yeah, it, on. Yeah, I'll, I'll be right back. Then. Overheating. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. I recognize so, uh, overheating with my audio engineer powers. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to. We're going, the reason is we're going to have Carl back to talk with us again, and he might bring a friend. And so he 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 thought he would maybe uh you know let us know what he's doing right now, and uh and uh, we can do a little shout out before uh, his next when we meet with him soon. Um. I so anyway, him away. Uh, I was rude. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I was also <laughs> going to let him know that his sound was rattling. So okay, good. Yeah. No. Uh, so my main thing is I wanted to to remind everybody to be respectful. You know, to we don't want to turn into the Bernie Bros of 2022 or 2020 or whatever it is that 2021 we're in now. <laughs> um, we don't we don't want to um, make New Yorkers feel like we're trying to convince them or persuade them of something. They're going to make a decision for themselves, but they need to be provided with the information that we have because we've been following Andrew. We know his character. We know why he's doing things because we've, you know, read the things, we've watched things from, from early on. So when we see something that's happening out there um, where, you know, there's just a lot of misunderstandings, well, where are you getting your news from? You know, have you... Have had a chance to actually meet Andrew in the streets because he's out there every day pounding the pavement. Um, have you had a chance to read this or hear about you know something from you know that understand the history of how things developed this way? Uh, did you know that he's a certain height? You know he's very tall, and people don't know this. There's a lot of misinformation out there. Did you know? Oh, as long as so. he's tall, then yes, I will vote for him. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean is, like, there's a natural, you know. No, I know you're right. It's ludicrous, but it actually yeah. is. It makes a huge difference. Well, when you meet him in person and you realize that he's nothing like what you have been, what you've been hearing about, maybe from your, you know, whatever group you came from, if you know, you 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 might start questioning some of the narratives that are out there about him. So that's what I'm hoping that we can do is just show up and just provide that information, but without judgment and without like pushing being pushy 
So right, yeah, no, we we definitely don't want to like say that. Oh, he lost, you know, the the presidential, so he deserves this position. He doesn't deserve oh, no. the position. Yeah. It's just that he earned the position. He er he like he's like the not, man it, we no. he's 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 the the person the city needs. You know, that's the most important thing. Doesn't matter. Deservedness is secondary to, to like to thriving, to success and survival. You know, right, right. This is not a consolation prize for him. Basically, you know, this is this is just something that that he wants. And and I hope that he does run again in twenty twenty four. But he like grooms somebody to be the next mayor. And then he jumps out of the. Can be Zach. Right. No, no, that, that would not happen. <laughs> that should not, not happen. That should not happen. No, no, <laughs> that was a joke. New Yorkers <laughs> might not enjoy that. <laughs> no, but, I mean, uh, we, have to, we have to retool our minds to yeah. understand what New Yorkers really want and and what are they asking for, what are they thinking about, and I know that that's what Andrew is doing. We we all be. see him doing it. So uh, there was one challenge, for example, that just happened on Twitter, and I thought I could very quickly address it. Is that somebody was saying that you know the people who are now running his campaign are have also been lobbyists in the past, I think, or maybe are continuing to be lobbyists at the same time simultaneously, and so they're concerned: is are they going to have undue influence over Andrew Yang? But I want to tell people this: is that if you see Andrew Yang. He will tell you the same thing he told you in 2016. He has not, you know, like you can see his development by just going back and he's done so many interviews. He inter- he allowed anybody who wanted to interview him to interview him, except for maybe us. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> but, you know, like he, he showed up. I would feel ask like more. I'd have to first explain just using the name. <laughs> not only that you can look back in his history he already wrote it all down in a book yeah right he had books that published but he has a website now so every single policy that he thinks of is on a website and you can hold him accountable to those things so regardless of whatever you think lobbyists might be influencing or whatever let's just take a look at the facts other politicians don't put their policies out they don't put a white paper of every single thing they're planning on doing and why they should but though. andrew yang does that it's on the website yeah. So you will not, you know, you what you see is what you get with Andrew Yang. So that's what I'm going to say. Biden stole of his policies on his website. Did he? Did Biden do uh, that? I think so. So, that, so that's excellent. We're going to hold him to it. Did right? he really? It's something that we want to happen. I was one of them like no more malarkey, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and was the next one? I mean it. <laughs> Yeah, I have to deal with that. Right now, right, that was that's the the introduction, the formal introduction. Anyway, Zach, thank you for joining us. You sound crystal clear and beautiful, and uh, yeah, everything is well. We're going to have Carl back um, with us and have him as a special guest again on the twenty third, which is next Friday. And so uh, we just want to, Carl, you wanted to let us know what you've been doing lately, and are you going to bring your friend on the twenty third? I really hope so. Uh, so that is uh, that is this bat time and this bat channel. Yep. Is that right? Uh, and and that that'll work out great uh, for me. And I think it'll also work out for my friend Nick Turan, who makes a website called WhatIsNuclear.com, and that's that's his primary uh, that's his primary speaking engagement because he is a nuclear energy uh, educator. Um, 
what I'm going to say, and, and he's not because he can't represent his employer, is that Nick does some wonderful, amazing things in advanced nuclear research. And so he is helping to make the uh, natrium reactor. And you can go look up that technology uh, and you'll find uh, that he can't necessarily represent his employer, but I love to talk it up. I think that we're going doing wonderful things with the advanced test reactor project that's been approved for the state of Washington and the XE100 uh, reactor from X Energy that they just signed the contract on. So we have some of these fourth generation reactor technology. This is this is the Yang Gang position. We're going to have some new fluid reactors, some new, you know, fast flux reactors for breeder technology. And I'm super excited to see that come to Washington state. Uh, and so I wanted to just give you folks uh, uh, the the lowdown on uh, what I'm super excited about. I, I have been a little, you know, a little lax in streaming personally lately, uh, but, uh, but there's a lot going on behind the scenes here. That's wonderful to hear. Yeah. Thank you. We're we're very punk rock about our about our channel and and how what we do here. We bring on you know uh, all kinds of different people, and we we are cognizant that many people living in poverty really don't have you know the kind of uh, resources to have the best sound or to have the video or whatever it is that they're missing. They may not have a phone to work with, so we uh, we just bring everybody on and we try to make it very easy and relaxed here. Um, but uh, you really put a lot into your productions and you you plan things out ahead of time. And I love that. Thanks. Right? Yeah, I've, yeah, I've been uh, I've been working basically in video games for a while. And I, I got into streaming because I saw it was such a big thing, you know, around 2012, 2013, all that all that was start just starting to get going. And and now it's it's really hit hard uh, for me personally, because politics has finally come to Twitch and there's so much energy around politics on Twitch. And I'm really glad that you're here. Uh, you sort of led the way, I think, uh, in terms of having a regular Twitch politics show. Thank you. Yeah, I, I've That's never actually praise. seen it. I always thought of Twitch as just for gamers we until go back we started doing it. You know, like two weeks ago, I was like, you know, YouTube is just a pile of suck. I'm going to just focus on Twitch more. And uh, I forgot uh, how to correctly log in. So I went back here. That's do both. <laughs> I know. I know. We're doing both today. I just got both today. In fact, we, could, we had several people drop code. by. <laughs> yeah, we had several people drop by and start chatting in there. But I had nothing that I I was like, who's, yeah. who has the phone for our two-step verification code? See, that's the downside of being so punk rock. <laughs> well, anyway, let's say um, I wanted to hear one last thought from Keiko so that we can start to do our sign-offs now because we're at the end of our scheduled time together and it's hard for Zephyr to wait for me a long time. So selfishly, I have to kind of get, get going. Um, Keiko, how, would, how can people continue having conversations with you and learn about all of your projects um, if they are you know, close enough to you that they can participate? Yeah, so I am kind of at a point where I have to make a decision as to whether I should like, forge ahead or should stay, step back because, you know, the reality is, is that I have a family, I have a home, and now my 84-year-old mother is going to move in with me next year or, or within a year or two. You know, all of these things, life, you know, life decisions. So um, I am following a couple of leads to see if I can get some grants or some funding for what I'm doing. 
if I can do that, then I will continue. If not, I will, you know, just kind of step back from any kind of organizational effort. And, you know, I'll still be a volunteer um, with income movement and whatnot. But um, so um, we'll see. But ForgeArtCollective.org is my website. And um, there's a way to uh, sign up for my newsletter. So that's one way to keep up. I also have a Facebook group called um, Ulster County Universal Basic Income Facebook group. So you can be connected that way as well. And Twitter, Keiko Sono. Could you please uh, repeat the name of your collective that you cut out there for a second? Yeah. Okay, sorry. Forgeartcollective.org. Forgeartcollective, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not your and, fault at all. It's just technological stuff. And also, we have um, some people who only listen to the podcast and do not show up to live streams. So, could you, uh, would you mind uh, uh, sort of spelling your Twitter handle that you just shared with us? Oh, yeah. Sorry. So, it's K E I K O, uh, what do you call it? The underline um, underscore. Yeah. S O N O. All right, and that's we can you can continue having conversations with uh, our guest in that way and learn more about what she decides to do and how she's going to uh, proceed in the Hudson Valley. Yeah, so, thanks for um, having me. Oh, we really appreciate you coming. We really, we really appreciate it every time. Yeah, if you if you feel like we didn't get to talk about some of the things that you would have liked to talk about, uh, because we somehow you know just sometimes the the conversation meanders, uh, feel free to come back again. We have a schedule that we put up every Thursday. And if you see somebody else that you would like to um, talk to, you know, feel free to drop in anytime. We are Sounds great. Here. Yeah, thank you. So, yeah. uh, Ariel, do you want to do your closing before we go? Yeah, for sure. Um, you can find me at Ariel's Ariel's, and it's official now since I have my certificate. So that's A-R-I-E-L-S-A-E-R-I-A-L-S on Twitter and YouTube.com slash revolutionary thinking yeah all right um hi how about you thanks so much for coming keiko it's great to see you i'm glad that we are connected in the way that we are so thank you so much for coming on today um i am kai zen kc i hail from kansas city missouri but i now live in indianapolis indiana i'm a ubi advocate and i can be found on twitter at K-A-I-Z-E-N-K-C. I'm also on Cash App, Patreon, PayPal. So you can find me. I'm out there. With the same Kaizen KC for all of those. That's that's really awesome that you were able to do that. Uh, sometimes it gets a little complicated trying to track people with all different uh, names. Yeah. Hi, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for inviting Keiko and for doing the scheduling because that is a difficult job. Sometimes we... We, um, you know, forget that it, it takes a little uh, coordination. Uh, sure I'm does. so glad that Carl, I'm so glad that Carl has been, uh, yeah, allowing me to, to message back and forth with him so that we could get him and his friend on uh, the next week. Carl, what are you doing uh, these days that you would like people to know about so they can uh, come learn about you and anticipate our programs? Yeah, uh, so th this might uh, be too soon of notice for the podcast, so apologies, but I do have an event tomorrow at uh, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, uh, and you can find that at 
the Seattle Clean Energy Meetup on meetup.com or on Facebook if you look for Seattle Eco Modernist Society, Seattle Friends of Fission. This is called uh, the, uh, it's going to be an open discussion on the Bill Gates book, How to Avert a Climate Crisis. So again, that is Saturday, April 17th, 11 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, the rest of my media is uh, I'm Carl Alex Pauls, Carl with a K on Twitter. And you can find all of my media at yestv.org. Awesome. Okay, so uh, I will try to uh, come in, come by and stop by because tomorrow we are not doing a uh, regular stream at that time. We're going to have a little social event um, in the evening just for Yang Gang. So, Shale, do you want to tell people about that? Oh, yeah, we have a social hangout, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern in this uh, Discord. Anyone's welcome to come. You know, it's a Yang Gang kind of thing, but, you know, just anybody wants to come. Uh, it's not going to be streamed. I don't have a particular plan for it. I'm not, I, I'll, you know, I'll pop in and out. I expect people to pop in and out. I don't expect everyone to stay for the whole time, but if you'd like to, you can. You, know, you can stream a video game, or you can watch other people stream whatever, or just talk to people on camera, just hang out. Um, so, yeah, I'll be tomorrow, 7 to 10 on this discord and uh, feel free to bring a friend if you're if you're going to come and uh yeah okay so my name is fake who and uh shale and i are doing a special project uh that's very personal to me it's um a letter writing project and also an audio program project um where i basically read the letters that i wrote back and forth to my children while I was incarcerated at the Metropolitan Detention Center in Los Angeles, which is a federal facility for federal inmates. Um, you can learn more about our project. Uh, it's going to be on OpenSea. And um, how should we... Uh, if you go already. on OpenSea... No. Okay, you, you go on OpenSea.com, is that right? You go... And then you just search letters from jail. You can go directly. You, yeah, you can go to OpenSea.io and search letters from jail. Or you can just go oh, to... Oh, it's not .com. Yes.io. OpenSea.io. Or you can just go directly to OpenSea.io slash letters from jail. And it is an NFT based, blockchain based uh, audio journalism documentation and activism project. I'm very proud of it. You know, I'm proud to be able to do this citizen journalism, citizen documentation, citizen media activism work that is possible through the leverage granted me by new technologies that I'm taking advantage of. And I'm happy to be able to do it and you know do some do do all the good i can with it and this is a very exciting project for me very gratifying project and uh please check it out it's uh yeah openc.io slash letters from jail and it's we're uh, trying to so we're trying to do these little 30 minute uh programs which are hard for us because we're used to such long formats <laughs> but we but we do the 30 we're trying to do keep them short so that because it's a lot of heavy topic as as uh shale has mentioned and you don't have to buy the the item in the store in order to listen so yeah. if you want to just click on our photo uh the photo of me and the boys and uh the audio program will start playing and you can uh you know get into the uh, the episodes we're going to be recording about one a week something like that it just follows um you know the story of our family uh as i as i was incarcerated so yeah it's it's presented as a a sort of virtual art gallery on on the blockchain, which is a, a new, you know a new way. It's something I was gonna uh, Kiko. I could uh, I could certainly help you set up 
uh, an OpenSea yeah. NFT storefront. If you'd be interested, I was going to uh, suggest yeah. that because they, it, it is a potential way to make money uh, as yeah. a visual, as a painter, amazing. as a visual artist. Yeah, I'll help you after we get off the air, the air, the, the stream. <laughs> but yeah, uh, like NFTs, yeah. I think most people think of NFTs as something kind of uh, uh, maybe like kind of a little. Uh, it, first of all, they're going to think of it as a, maybe a visual art. And then might think of it as being something that's uh, for billionaire playboys or something, or they think about it as uh, there's a lot of things that people that. might yeah. put on it. Maybe maybe they think of it as something silly. You know, people are selling silly things on there that are fun. Uh, but we're doing a really serious project, mm -hmm. and so once again, we're pioneering a space that nobody nobody else has jumped into. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. Sounds amazing. I'll, I'll definitely check it out. All right. Well, thank you very much. We also uh, recorded something with Kai. I remember, Shale, you recorded something yeah. with Kai. Yeah, I also did an MT with Kai. It's sort of a, a, a prototype to to what we're doing. Uh, and mm -hmm. uh, I, I do plan on doing others, audio interview series, and perhaps more with Kai if she is if she's interested in the future. Uh, I think there's a lot of good stuff to do in this in this space, and I think this new monetization um, method is is viable and interesting, and I think it. You know, you can treat anything like a like a painting in a gallery. People can go look at it and enjoy it, and collectors can make an offer and they can take it, and then it's not in the gallery anymore. And people, if they want to 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 experience it, they have to find them. They they can view it or buy it themselves. Um, but you know, the the painter could also always make sell a print and just have a limited number of prints. So this is more like that. I could make another print, but when someone buys it from the store. You know, maybe I have an audience in a year and someone's like, hey, where's episode 17? Like, oh, episode 17 was sold. I'm going to keep it absent for two weeks so people, you know, understand the the, the format, what the NFT, NFT format is and the significance of it. And, you know, for two weeks, you have to go find that person if you want it because that, that file's theirs, not mine anymore. Um, so it's interesting, you know, in a sort of medium is the message kind of sense. Anyway, I'm just going on and on about it. Uh, well, I <laughs> I, I'm going to toss my two cents in and, and say, you know, yeah. what I love about it is that it's very collaborative. Yeah. And so I view it as a process of, um, you know, community giving artists their a, a broader basis for expression and, and a broader weight to be appreciated for what they're able to produce. So, I, you know, I think it's I think it's using technology to a higher good, ultimately. Yeah, well, we don't know where we don't know where it's going to go, but we know that where we, where it's been so far, and it's been really interesting. So we want to support and, uh, the blockchains, and we are uh, also supporting ourselves. In um, this is a very personal project for me because I haven't had a letter from my children since 2017, June of 2017. That's several several Mother's Days that have gone, and you know, many we we each have a birthday every year. And we each have, um, you know, them through the pandemic. And so, like, oh, all of this time, I haven't had any news of them other than um, a very, very short, very small, you know, communication from a mutual friend. So, uh, it's, I think it's been too long, and I would like to make a change in this situation now. And I hope that this project can do that for me. I'm going to ask people who are good friends and safe adults to write letters to my children uh, ahead of, you know, May is my birthday again and also Mother's Day. And so hopefully we can make a small change in this situation just so that they can write back to me. And that's my, that's, I'm really, really thankful to have to know Shale and everybody here and have, have your support. Um, 
Okay. So you can find me on Twitter at Palestine Math. I live in Palestine, Texas. P-A-L-E-S-T-I-N-E-M-A-T-H for Make America Think Harder. And uh, you can find me on Facebook as myself, Feiku, F-A-Y-E-K-U. Thank you very much. Uh, Shale, I think that's it. That's all of us. Thank you, Fei. Um, my, uh, my Twitter is my name, which is Shale Riley, S-H-A-E-L-R-I-L-E-Y. I will be back next week with more basic income advocacy. So thank you, everyone. Goodbye.